official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. So, Luke chapter 9, verse 46. Uh, Before we get to that, while you find it, um, our sermon series over the last couple weeks has been Growing Pains. And we've talked about the reality of sin and that condition that we all have. We've talked about God's incredible sacrifice to resolve that condition. We've talked, uh, last week, Ricardo gave an awesome sermon uh, about how we are compelled by Christ's love to the things that are right and pure and holy. That grace is not a license to sin, but a reason, a motivation to righteousness. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, hang in there with me, guys. We're going to do this. We're going to get there. Sorry, Ricardo, the computer's heavier than paper, so it was sinking. Okay, I think we're good. Like, we'll get there. All right. This week we're going to talk about maturing in community, which I'm so thankful to be in community with all of you guys. Thank you for having grace with me, <laughs> that we get to go through it together, that none of us are perfect, but we can care for each other along the way. Um, diversity in humanity is beautiful. It's a beautiful thing, and God intended it that way. He intended that the diversity of all of us would be a beautiful thing. But diversity often causes great disunity. And that's what we're going to look at today. Um, we'll start in Luke 9, and let's see what the disciples show us. So 9.46. An argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. That was long, but I'm going to do it again. All right. An argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. That is a little repulsive at first, but it's so accurate. We all, we've all seen this. We've all experienced it. We, we might have that thought of like, oh, I'm probably the greatest. Or if it's not that one, it's at least, well, I'm better than that guy. But the truth is, um, every community, even biblical community, even the disciples who were with Jesus, struggled with this. They wrestled with it. We're not free from it. To give an illustration of that, we're going to watch a short clip. That. I was at a dinner party recently, a bunch of people that I don't know, one guy talking plenty for everybody, me, myself, right, and then I, and then myself, right, me, me. I couldn't tell this one about I because I was talking about myself, and then me, 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 me. Beware the me monster. So I tried to jump in with a little story. I don't want to just sit there the whole night. Right when I'm done with my story, this guy goes, that ain't nothing. (laughs) Didn't mean to waste everybody's time. (laughs) Telling my nothing story. Here, let Marco Polo speak. He's back with tales of adventure. That story ain't nothing. 
Maybe it wasn't, because I made the mistake of trying to tell a story about having only two wisdom teeth pulled, and I learned a lesson. Don't ever try to tell a two wisdom tooth story, because you ain't going nowhere. <laughs> the four wisdom teeth people are going to parachute in and cut you off at the pass. <laughs> halt! Halt with your two wisdom tooth tail! You will never complete one, trust me. I'm trying to tell my story. You know, I had some wisdom teeth pulled. I had, um, I had two, I had four pulled. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, five, no, nine. I had nine wisdom teeth pulled. All of mine were impacted. They were all coming upside down. The roots were out there on my tongue, coming out my nose. They were tusks. I was a war hog. No anesthesia. They pulled them out with pliers. I was eating corn on the cob that afternoon. <laughs> Pin the blue ribbon upon his chest. That knocks the socks off of my wisdom tooth tail. Why do people need to top other people? I've never understood it, and I see it all the time. Obviously, people get something out of it. At best, people wait for your lips to stop. Yeah, as soon as... Okay, yeah, you, me! You, me! You see the difference? You see, you see that? Now I do. What is it about the human condition? People get something out of that. That's why I have a social fantasy. I wish I was one of the 12 astronauts who have been on our moon. They must love knowing they can be anybody's story whenever they want. They can sit back quietly at a dinner party while some other person, some me monster, is doing his thing and let him go. Let him run with the line while you be quiet. Oh, really? <laughs> let him have his moment. Yeah, I'm a big traveler. I have my business. All. I got my own global enterprise. I got to check on, you know, driving in the Autobahn because I keep a fleet of sports cars over in Zurich. You know, I get this Swiss account that I have to check on. Mount Kilimanjaro expedition might have to cancel that. You know, runways in Aspen are a lot shorter the first time you go in there. You know, you know, you know the Pacific Rim Company is going to try to take that over. And they, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, no, it's a global enterprise. <laughs> I walked on the moon. <laughs> Well, you have the floor, Moonwalker. <laughs> you know, you mentioned driving on the Autobahn. That reminded me. Once I was driving in the Sea of Tranquility. <laughs> in my Lunar Rover. And I, too, was worried about our speed till I remembered, why? we're the only ones on the moon. <laughs> It's funny, right? It's funny because, sadly, it's so true. It's so true. We've all seen that guy. Or we've all been that guy. Maybe not quite so audibly of like, me, me. But maybe internally, we have that like, yeah, that's, I can outdo that story. It's sad, but it's true. <laughs> and I like that he points out that even in like the wisdom tooth thing, we brag and we boast and we try and compete over things that aren't pleasant. We compete for pity. It's so ridiculous. 
We may judge people or judge ourselves against what car we drive or uh, how much scripture we know or the quality of your Christmas card. I look, there's, they're still in our fridge, and like getting breakfast this morning, some are better than others. You just can't, you're like, you're like oh, nice, oh, uh, okay, like, it just happens. Or maybe a little less obvious, maybe you're more of the, like, oh my gosh, that guy just lied, like blatantly lied. Can you believe him? My lies are way less obvious. It's ridiculous, Right? And it's contrary to what Jesus intends for us to have. He intends something so much better. He intends that the diversity among us wouldn't lead to ranking and comparing and competing, but to unity. In Philippians 2, he writes to them about uh, that if, if we have any encouragement in Christ, if we have any comfort from his love, we ought to be compelled to unity. In light of those things, what we've received in Christ, he says, do not do anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above ourselves, not looking to our own interests, but each to the interests of others. Such is the mindset of Jesus. Growing in this area, this community area, is... It, we, we begins with being forgiven. That's where it starts. And we've gone over that throughout this series. Uh, Thomas Merton, he, he says it this way, that we are not at peace with each other because we are not at peace with ourselves. And we are not at peace with ourselves because we, have not, because we are not at peace with God. And then he quotes Romans 5.1 and says, but having been justified by faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus, we have peace with God. We're at peace with God through Jesus, and thus we're at peace with ourselves and can be peacemakers towards others. Now, there's a sharp distinction that needs to be made here that we need to work through a little bit between the world's standards of forgiveness and peace and Christ's. The modern worldview says that the foundation of personal forgiveness is that of self-forgiveness. It's of generating our own forgiveness. And the motivation to forgive others is for personal health. It's functional coping. That's why we need to forgive others. But the biblical worldview shows it differently. Jesus has something different in mind. The foundation for our personal forgiveness is that it's received that he just extends it to us and gives it to us. We receive forgiveness. And the motivation for forgiving others is in view of God's mercy. For God's glory and for communal harmony, we forgive others. Being forgiven does not involve self-forgiveness. And that may be hard to hear. For some of us, I know myself being in places where it's like, okay, I know, I know Jesus has forgiven me, but I just haven't forgiven myself yet, and I'm wrestling with it, and I, I just can't get over it. But in studying for this, and reading, and getting into Scripture, and, and getting into some, what some really smart people have found and observed through Scripture as well, it's clear that if we're struggling with forgiving ourselves, what we are actually contending with is unbelief. 
the thought that he can't really be that good. But he is that good. He is that good. We have no reason to contend with self-forgiveness, only with accepting Jesus' forgiveness of us. Self-forgiveness could also be called justification. Uh, Self-justification undermines authentic justification, what we get from Jesus. For trying to justify ourselves, we undermine the beauty and the horror of the cross, of what Jesus did on the cross for us. When we justify ourselves, we try, we're trying to reconcile ourselves to ourself. We say, oh, well, given the circumstances, you know, most people would have done that too. We try and lessen what we've actually done. We say, oh, it's not really that bad. It could have been worse. And didn't affect anyone negatively. Whatever it might be, whatever those excuses are, our efforts to establish our own sense of forgiveness undermines authentic forgiveness and true justification in Christ. Receiving forgiveness, we are justified by faith. And it is no longer we who live, but Christ lives in us. To receive it, we must acknowledge it, to confront it for what it is, that action, that thought, that attitude, say, that's not right. And then believe that he is that good, that though it looks as it does, and acknowledging that it looks that way, he still loves us and he'll forgive us, to believe it. In our marriage, um, Amy and I have found that the words, please forgive me, with no strings, no qualifiers, are powerful words. The recognition of a failure and the honoring of another, humbling ourselves in their debt, is powerful. To be at the mercy of another, to be at the mercy of Christ, that is what is required of us in receiving forgiveness. Creating our own forgiveness puts us at the mercy of ourselves, indebted to no one, and isolated from everyone. Jesus has something better in mind for us, something better in mind for all of us as a community, as a world. <laughs> he has something better in mind. On the Sermon on the Mount, he said, well, if you haven't read the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapters 5 through 7, check it out. It's pretty awesome. Um, it begins with these Beatitudes where Jesus kind of gives like an overview of these are the characteristics and the qualities of people who follow me, of my disciples. And it's not that if you aren't those, then you aren't his disciple, but it's more of a this is what my disciples are moving towards. And it's all about humility. Later on in chapter 7, after giving some context to a number of different things that were said throughout the Old Testament and about living life together and about holiness and righteousness, he tells his disciples, stop judging each other. And then in verse 3, he gives this example. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Now imagine you're walking down the street and you see somebody doing this kind of thing, right? And another person standing right there, and they've got like this two-by-four coming out their eyelid. And they're, I don't see it. I don't know. It's in there somewhere. I'll help you get it. It's ridiculous, right? It's pretty ridiculous. 
So Jesus exaggerates the proportions of this to emphasize the absurdity of judging others. We're all on the same playing field here. We were all bought for the same price. All of us. The same price. You could put a spiritual veneer on it if you'd like, saying that uh, it's to root out evil. That's what I'm really doing. I'm rooting out evil. How dare those ungodly people act that way? I hope they get what they deserve. If when we judge others, our real motive was to destroy evil, we should look for evil where it is certain to be found. And that's in our own hearts. It's much easier to see that two by four in our own eye than it is to see the speck in our brothers. So confront what you can actually see. Go with what's obvious before moving to those things that are harder to tell. Only God judges the heart. By judging others, we blind ourselves to our own evil and to the grace which others are just as entitled to as we are. Sometimes God's kingdom seems upside down, but it's really us that has it backwards. Humility is the path to glory. The world may value celebrities, but the word, Jesus, values servants. In Philippians chapter 2, um, Jesus, Paul writes about Jesus. Let's just read it. That's what I'm going to do. Rather than summarizing, it's just too good not to read. <laughs> Philippians chapter 2. Yes. Verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Thomas Kempis, he wrote this concerning that passage. This is the highest and most profitable lesson Truly to know and despise ourselves. To have no opinion of ourselves and to think always well and highly of others is great wisdom. (laughs) Truly to despise ourselves. That rubs me the wrong way. Like, no, I'm not supposed to despise myself. I need to have self-worth. I need to, I have value. And yes, I do. I have so much value. But when we see ourselves as we truly are, not in comparing each other to, to one another and ranking ourselves, but just me standing before Jesus, just me and him. He is my standard. I have no excuse. They all fade away. It's just me and him. The only response in that moment is humility and grace. Growing in this struggle (laughs) 
If, if it, were na- if it were, like, had a street name, it would be humility and grace. It's coming humility and gratitude, actually, probably more so. Humility and gratitude. Just being so thankful. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, um, Paul writes to them, he says, In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In view of God's mercy, be transformed. That's what this whole series has been about. Those growing pains. Recognizing what God has done for us and our position before Him as reconciled. Not on our own accord, but entirely by His doing and then be transformed by that. This move beyond the state, this me monster comparison, judgment, mindset involves these growing pains and it involves all of us. Each one of us are, are in this. Um, my brother and my mom are here today. If you don't know them, you should meet them. They're pretty cool. I like them. But it's really great they're here, but it's also... Really humbling, <laughs> because you, you may fool the general public about this kind of thing, but those people who are close to you, they've seen that me monster. <laughs> they know the contempt you have for other people. They've seen it at different times. There's no fool in them, and there's no sense in fooling yourself, and so it's hard <laughs> to be up here and talk about anything knowing they know who I am. <laughs> And I need a lot of help. I have a lot of growing pains to go through. We all do. We're all in it together, but we need to help each other. Dive in together to help each other get there. Band and the ushers, if you guys want to make your way up. Ushers, will, after I pray, we'll, we'll get going. But if you, if you need prayer, if you have a question about this forgiveness that we've been talking about today that we sung about in the songs, reach out to the person next to you. And if the person next to you also has questions, then together go to someone else. Because <laughs> here we're all ministers and we're all working together for God's kingdom. Don't leave today thinking, wow, it's incredible, I need to know more. Oh, I'll do it later. No, do it now. Ask the questions now. Reach out now. Unity in diversity. It's the fruit of these growing pains. We are united in Christ when we maintain the diversity of our humanity. Age, race, gender, culture, personality, abilities, interests, those who like the band Creed and those who do not. (laughs) We're a diverse group. The body of Christ, not just in this building, but the world around is diverse. Our family is huge, and we're all really different. (laughs) Some people may stand in worship and shout and run around and go crazy, and there's no containing it. And then there's other people who are methodical and, and orderly. But we're all one in Christ. We're all a part of the same family. So love one another. All right, let's pray. 
Father God, we thank you for what you've done for us, Lord, that we don't deserve your kindness. But you've redeemed us, Lord. You've rescued us from our own struggles, from, from the things that divide us, not just from others and from you, but even from ourselves, Lord. And you've come to reconcile all of that. Lord, in that, we are humbled. Move our hearts, Lord. Transform our hearts to see others the way you see them. People ransomed for your kingdom. May we love them, Lord, as you love them. Draw us together. Unify us in a way in this church and as a big C church that the world just can't deny how incredible our unity is. Thank you, Lord. Jesus' name, amen. You are listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.